never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that is ready to return to Pandora. We bought our ticket, and we're ready to risk dehydration to watch this three-hour epic. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. How are you, man? Here. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Not much. Yes, I do have my Avatar ticket. Um, And... uh, I'm ready to risk dehydration and not get up to pee, despite what James Cameron has to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have my ticket as well, actually, but I plan, I fully plan to take pee breaks, so. (laughs) Oh, do you? (laughs) I just, I don't know, with a movie that long and when the director is, like, advising that you can, like, I feel like I'm probably going to take a pee break, but. I don't really know how to take it when the director (sighs) is saying, you can get up. Like, I'm going to bore the crap out of you. You can get up. <laughs> um, that I don't know. If, I don't know if he's actually saying that, but it's like, really? Um, the I do think like, oh, it's I was going to three say, hours do... and 10 minute runtime. Yeah. Um, now, three hours and 10 minutes. Endgame was three hours. I didn't get up. And the 10 yeah. minutes, you got to remember, there's at least 15 minutes of credits. So... Good call. Good call. Yeah. And if there's no bonus scene, then you could just get up. <laughs> so it's going to be like watching Endgame, you know? Right on. I was I was just going to say, I feel like I, I don't know if this comes with like age, but I feel like I've seen enough movies that sometimes you can recognize those moments. Like the more movies you've seen, like I feel like I recognize the moments when it's time to like get up and go pee like there's certain moments where it's like oh this is a really good action scene i don't want to miss this or like this is a really crucial part of the plot i'm not gonna get up but i don't know i think when i watch movies and like i really have to pee i just you you start to recognize those moments where you're just like okay probably nothing important's gonna happen here this is my time to go <laughs> And if I don't get up now, then I'm going to be screwed and I'm going to miss something important. So I don't know. Something I've just noticed about myself is just like over time, you start to recognize those uh, those moments as it is. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my peeing during a movie strategy. So. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I'm glad we all just uh, got an uh, insight into how Peter uh, views his movies. Uh, right. But- um with that being said why don't we talk about what we're watching and reading man (laughs) yeah absolutely um, yeah what do you got for me uh this week's been a pretty slow week for me um i've really only watched one thing um which is uh this pretty cool series or mini series i don't know what you want to call it but it's this series on netflix called elves and i don't know if you 
if you're familiar with this at all, Drew. So this is a it's kind of funny because I saw the trailer for this last year. Like, I think this came out last year around Christmas um, and I just thought it looked really cool. Like, it looked like this really cool sort of like folk horror-esque suspenseful like Christmas tale sort of thing. And that's kind of exactly what it is. But it's one of those things that I saw the trailer for last year, thought it looked awesome, never got the chance to watch it. And uh, this year I actually did. Like I've been looking for more things to watch to put me in the holiday spirit. And I was like, oh, yeah, wasn't there like an elf show or something? So I searched for it and I found it and watched it. And uh, it's pretty great. Um, it's a I want to say it's a Danish series. I might I might have that wrong, but it's uh, it's definitely European. And uh, the version I watched is dubbed. I'm not sure how the uh, subtitled version is, but essentially it's it's about a family who for the Christmas holiday, they decide to rent an Airbnb and they choose this really secluded Airbnb on this island that is, it's sort of like this thing, like you have to take a ferry to the island. The island is like super remote in that there's not a lot of people living there. It's like pretty woodsy and stuff. And the family just thought this would be a cool way to spend their holiday. And the one catch is there happens to be elves on the island. (laughs) So it's essentially kind of like, I'm not really spoiling too much, but there's this sort of electric fence, like Jurassic Park sort of situation where there's a certain section of the island that you can't go into And uh, there's kind of a mystery as to why, but due to the title of this series, you know that there's elves in there and they're potentially dangerous. I'm not going to spoil anything else as far as the plot goes. (laughs) What I will say is that the way I would describe this series is it's something akin to maybe like Pan's Labyrinth meets Gremlins, if you will, where it's that sort of like gremlins-esque like holiday horror monster story but um it has that sort of folk folk horror slash like almost guillermo del toro-esque so really cool design to, sense so elves are referring to christmas elves in the horror sense sort of i think it's okay. more elves in the sort of like folk horror like just you know Sure. Some people believe in elves. They're not necessarily North Pole elves, but it's kind of just they're like folk horror elves, but it happens to take place around Christmas. But uh, this series was just really cool. And that's what I would say if you if you want something in the vein of Gremlins meets like a Pan's Labyrinth sort of like fantasy horror Christmas thing. Definitely check this out. The other great part about the series is it's six episodes but each episode is only like 20 to 30 minutes so it's almost just like a three-hour movie like you could probably watch this in one sitting but i was pretty glad i did i thought it was pretty awesome so definitely check out elves if this sounds like it's up up your alley but otherwise that's literally the only thing i've watched okay (laughs) so so i don't know about you drew well i had a busy week um so what i watched was the first three episodes of willow um, I have not watched episode three, but uh, that's awesome. Okay. All right. <laughs> so episode three, brief spoiler, ends with a cover of Enter Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> okay, um, so <laughs> so episode two ended with uh, 
a cover of I can't remember. I feel like it was like a '90s grunge song. Yeah, I, I remember recognizing it. I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to end this. And then episode three ended the way it did. So that could be a running thing. But Yeah, but it, I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> well, Enter Sandman fits really well the way the end of this episode ends. And I agree. I don't know how I feel about it either. Because I don't think they've played the Willow theme enough, in my opinion. But that's okay. I just love that theme song from that, that movie. Um, okay, so you were, you were really curious about my opinion about, yeah, as far um, as the first two episodes, well, at least. Okay, so lots of action, which is great. Yeah. Um, the first episode was very, like, action-oriented. It was very, like, kind of nonstop, if you will. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, seeing your old friends again, kind of learning what everybody is. Um, seeing Sorsha was awesome, because was, she was probably the big connection uh, to the original stuff that you had for quite some time. Yeah, um, her two kids that uh, she had with Mad Mardigan. Um, I kind of um, I really like Borman. He's awesome. Um, his connection to everything got even cooler. Um, I don't know if see, I don't remember episode two well enough because I only watched each one once. So I only don't remember episode two well enough to remember if he explained in episode two, did he tell Kit about the curious of the Chimerian curious? Do you remember that or no? Because if it you say no, then, he, then it's an episode three. Oh, I mean, I know that's been mentioned within okay. the first two episodes. OK, um, well, he explains he tells Kit the history behind it and everything. In that the sounds third, like it's an episode three. Episode in, three. in the episode three thing. But it also explains Bor Borman's connection to everything. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Because he's been a fun character. You. He's been a character. Yeah, absolutely. Been a fun character thus far. Um, it was really great seeing um, Von Carr again. It was really, and I, I didn't look it up, but I probably should have. Um, the girl who played uh, uh, Mims, uh, Willow's daughter, I... I believe that's his daughter from the original film, All Grown Up. Um, I don't know why they would double, would cast, wouldn't cast her if they didn't have, uh, didn't have her access. I guess you could say. Um, yeah, I was curious about that. And if if that's not the same actress, the thing is, she she kind of really looks like she could be Warwick Davis's daughter. Like when you actually look at like <laughs> facial structure and stuff. And I was like, this as in is like really good daughter? casting. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like know his what real his, daughter or his real one? daughter. I don't know what his real daughter looks like if he has one. But I was just looking at like facial features and I was just like, she kind of looks like she could be his actual daughter. So I just thought it was good casting, uh, sure. depending on how they went about that. You know, sure. um, Warwick Davis's Willow right now seems broken, um, which I think <laughs> is. And, and, I, and I mean that in a, I mean, in a good way, like I feel like he kind of he didn't reach the sorcerer potential that I think he wanted to. And he's out of practice and it's kind of sad to see what happened to the Nelwyn village. Like they had to move underground like, you know, what happened there? There's more to that story, you know, um, that's, I was very curious about that. Um, I do think that when it comes to like Willow, I feel like there's this sort of thing, like he went on this fantastic journey and accomplished so many like crazy cool things in the first movie but then he had to come back to the village. And even though he came back to it as a hero, 
in some ways he's still going to be that magician that everybody was laughing at when like the disappearing pig trick like goes awry for him and stuff like that and i kind of feel like there's a bit of realism in there that like i feel like I've felt and I've even seen among myself or my peers where like even even when you think you're on top of the world, you still have those like tendencies to come back to be like the awkward kid you always were, so to speak. So I kind of saw that as like a bit of realism, even though I know what you mean, like he does seem a little bit more clumsy and some of his sorcerer tricks are a little bit more gimmicky than you'd expect. Um but I did think that seemed realistic in a weird way. If right. That makes sense. Um, it was nice to see that they cleaned up Tyrus lean out of the curse. Um, it's nice to see. It's nice to hear the Galadorn got rebuilt um, because they, they talked about the, the kingdom of Galadorn. And I'm like, well, yeah, the Galadorn was destroyed, you know, um, there's uh, there's a handful of stuff that I've seen coming um, that I was like, it, it's the sense of like, Oh, they're talking about that. Oh, they're talking about that. Um, and then, <laughs> which is just me paying attention to the original film or seeing it as many times as I did. Oh, they're talking about that, you know? Um, yeah. I did call Alora Dannon. Um, they kind of made that a little too easy to guess, if you will. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah, I thought it was kind of too easy. I'm like, that's Alora Dannon for real. The Chris Claremont books uh willow is in the chris claremont books laura dannon is very aware of who she is but she's reached that like teenage age and is kind of rebelling a little bit like i don't want their power and responsibility where this girl is like finding out about her power and responsibility and she's like i don't know how to handle it you know mm -hmm. um the the books are probably being used a little bit as a source material. It's been a long time since I've read them. But mm -hmm. that being said, there is some differences that I can see, but there's also a little bit of similarity. So they're probably looking at them a little bit or at least trying to change what they can because some stuff doesn't fit right. Uh, there is a rumor. Uh, Val Kilmer has been tweeting some stuff about Willow. Uh, maybe he's happy for the, That's awesome. you know, the cast. But there's also the rumor that he's got a cameo at the end of the season. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see how that plays out. But so far, I'm enjoying the show. It's been a lot of fun and uh, getting to see some cool sword play and stuff like that. This is just a, it's just more action packed than I was expecting. And it's not slow. That's the thing. Like it moves. The yes. Pace is great. The movie, the, the pacing matches the film. So. Yeah. And I, I've seen people online say that it's like. It's not the greatest thing so far, but it's definitely entertaining, which I kind of agree with. Um, and especially after watching, um, I actually I still haven't finished Rings of Power, but like I feel like that one of the big criticisms was it like moved way too slow at some points. And I feel like it is cool to just have like a really fast paced, fun fantasy adventure. So the rough um, part is like Willow is moving at a fast pace with character with new characters but a lot of familiar things that we already know and story threads that we're excited to see play out where lord of the rings moved really slow with characters that most people <laughs> don't know and not enough not enough sprinkled out familiar story threads so we were like oh that's cool let's see where they go with that and then they don't because you got to wait till next season or beyond 
So I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to criticize Lord of the Rings. I just, there's, I feel like there's a little bit of missteps to it. So. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, the the only other thing I was going to say is like, Val Kilmer, if he makes an appearance, that will be just so epic. But at the same time, it's hard to follow up. Like the last Val Kilmer cameo we got was in Top Gun Maverick. And it's just going to be that's a hard act to follow follow because that scene was epic and it just hit you right in the feels and everything. And uh, I don't know. It would be awesome to see Mad Mardigan again. But if they if they don't do that, I don't blame them because it's. One, that's a hard act to follow, but also like, you know, I don't know if the story, if if he has a, if he, if he has a place in the story, I'm not really sure about, so. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so aside from Willow, one of the reasons I got busy is because, uh, I, aside from like work and things going on in my life, I had Sunday, um, I, it was my adult group D&D day. And we had one of the most ridiculously epic sessions ever because <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm the forever DM. I've talked about this before, so I'm always the one behind the screen. So the adventure my players are on, uh, they I as a DM, you want them to be engaged like in combat. You want them to be engaged in the role playing. But I also want them as a storyteller to be engaged emotionally and I did something in the uh, in the session where I put they have a there's a they have a favorite NPC, if you will. That's kind of <laughs> like a traveling companion. For a little while. <laughs> and I yeah. really put this NPC in a very precarious, dangerous position. And it really upset them, like really. Upset oh, that's funny. Where they started getting <laughs> mad at me. Then they started arguing with each other. They weren't like mad, like like angry, like really upset, never gonna play again. No, they were like doing everything they could to rescue the NPC. Like they were like, no, 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 like gloves off, like no holds barred. They started arguing with each other. Things would go wrong. They'd get really upset. Things would go right, and they'd be excited for a minute, and then things would go wrong again, and they'd be like, what the? Like <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun, and it just got crazier and crazier and crazier and the way I had the session planned out it just kind of like for me being behind the dm screen there's a lot of stuff that really played in the direction that I wanted it to go uh they didn't make all the decisions that in my mind I expected and they really threw me some curveballs that I had to adjust to but that's, man that's awesome it was just it was probably one of the best D D sessions I've ever sat through and I was literally like, I don't want this to end, but it's starting to get late. <laughs> so we're going to have to call it. So I found like the most perfect cliffhanger and it just and it'll have like a really great, meaningful story beat next session. Uh, but my players are in for some stuff because in, in, the, in the reality of things, and I know some of them are listening. It's you're you're kind of picking up on the same level of intensity as we left off <laughs> of what what I did. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I think um, I've never dungeon mastered, but um, some of my good friends who have have told me about how like there's always that the power of the DM where you play D&D and there's all these strats and or all these stats and rules and everything you have to abide by. But when it comes down to it, the DM has really ultimate control. And uh, I'm just imagining like this NPC companion character that your group has 
if there was ever a moment that like it's possible that he could pass away like in the midst of a battle or something like that you still have the power of the dm like even if the dice rolls tell you this character is supposed to die you probably could keep him hanging on you know by one thread of life because you know if this character dies it sounds like the morale of your group is just gonna go super downhill so uh i was kind of laughing to myself <laughs> about that while you were describing this and and maybe that's the case but i'll tell you it's um it was definitely uh fun to watch how they reacted to things and <laughs> And I have <laughs> I have one more week before we get to sit at the table again. So um, nice. We're playing again on the 18th and I and I'm I'm, I'm very excited for what they got in store. So we'll awesome. see. Uh, but that's about it. Let's get to the news because we got some stuff. Uh, we got some quick stuff. And then um, uh, James Gunn's been talking. So he, nice. he, he broke into his Twitter and clarified some stuff. We had some we had a big alarming story, in my opinion. But let's talk about some quick hit things, shall we? Um, yeah. Jackie Chan confirms Rush Hour 4 is in the works. <laughs> okay. um, I don't look, this isn't a bad thing, but I'm starting to get burned out a little bit on the. All right, so unnecessary Scream, sequels. Well, Scream referred to it as a requel, where you bring in, like, you know, they explained it as it's a sequel, but it's also a reboot at the same time, and you bring in the legacy characters to honor the past and all that stuff. Yeah, I feel like we're getting some unnecessary level of them. Like, it's almost like too many, you know. Um, so when I saw this, I'm like, of course. So I don't really know how I feel about it, to be completely honest, but. Yeah, I mean, we live in that time where everything's a sequel or a reboot or a requel or a seaboot, and it gets crazy. But I think I don't know why when you brought this up, I just kind of laughed because I like I like the Rush Hour movies like they're not the greatest movies. They're not my favorite movies, but I enjoy them when I catch them on TV. And uh, so there's something about Jackie Chan where like. In my mind, he can almost do no wrong in a weird way. And I think it's because he just seems like such a jolly, like, cool person that, like, he can literally be in the dumbest movies. But just because of his personality, as well as, like, his awesome, you know, martial arts and stunt stunt work. Anytime I, like, see him on the TV, I got a smile on my face. <laughs> like, even just you announcing this, I just, like, picture Jackie Chan saying like oh yeah uh there's gonna be a rush hour four and like as annoying as that could be i just couldn't help but smile about it at the same time so there you go <laughs> right um all right mike uh mike flanagan reveals the a, a dark tower adaptation in the works at amazon prime it's going to be a five season adaptation of uh, stephen king's the dark tower i'll say this as long as it's better than the movie we got, should be cool. Right. Mike Flanagan's good. And, you know, if you read through the article, it's like it sounds like they have a good grasp of what they want to do. I, I, my, my hesitation in me being excited about this is I know how previous Stephen King projects have gone. And the last Dark Tower movie was, well really kind of a pile so i my hopes are 
you're in the you're in a place with a lot of money that can throw at it to say get it right, but it's going to come down to getting it right, you know. So yeah, that's Absolutely. that's what I got to say about that. Um, all right, this is a lot. There's a lot of DC stuff, so I don't want to go too off the wall here. Marvel. This is a little bit of a spoiler. But apparently, Modoc will appear in the Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. <laughs> uh, I think that's I think that's awesome because why yeah. not? we we all want more. And like I said, I don't want I shouldn't be surprised at what's coming. But let's be real, you know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds um, off the walls and bonkers, which is Disney, pretty exciting. So yeah, Disney has completely axed the Pirates of the franchise, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise altogether. Um, the Margot Robbie movie got canceled, uh, with the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing. There was talks about Johnny Depp coming back. Disney wanted to do more pirate stuff, but now they've announced they're officially canceling all future pirate stuff. That's a dead franchise. I don't know how I ever feel about that. Like I enjoyed the movies we got what I like more from that universe. Yeah. Why not? But this comes, I think this, I guess this comes down to that, you know, uh, requel, um, comment i just made do we want to do that or do we want to let it sit and breathe for a little while and maybe do a story down the road so i don't know yes i think um i was gonna make a stupid joke about it but honestly i think what you just said is like really really good to say is just like studios can let things sit and breathe and then bring it back when it makes sense like don't just keep pumping out sequels that may or may not be good like actually you got to leave the audience wanting more and i think that's something that could really be said for a lot of different franchises right now so i feel like let the yeah let the pirates movies breathe bring them back when people the collective subconscious is actually yearning for more pirates you know what i mean yeah yeah um and other disney news the national treasure uh edge of history television show on disney plus will release uh december 14th so it's literally just around the corner uh, <laughs> i'm kind of excited for this i'm only bringing i was honestly because... more excited for the margot Rapp pirates movie but <laughs> well i'm i'm just i'm bringing this up because i want to see this but i didn't know a date and now it's officially december 14th that's uh, like really really soon yeah i know um <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i didn't know it was that far along but that's pretty crazy yeah uh this one i love um Vince Vaughn has been t- had talked to the Hollywood Reporter about the idea he had for a dodgeball sequel, and the studio might be interested. Uh, quote from Vince Vaughn: "They've always talked about things forever, these things forever, and I had an idea that was fun, and the studio likes it, so we'll see where it goes. I think Ben Stiller is open to doing it. I think he's in the same boat as me, actually. Which is, if it's really fun and a great idea, then that's fun. If it's just something to go and do again, then why are we doing it? So." What I like about that is that they're like, look, we're not going to do this unless we think it's fun and worth doing. Otherwise, it's just a waste of our time, which I (laughs) really, really appreciate because they don't want to waste their time. They don't want to waste our time. They don't want to give us some kind of crap movie. And that I really appreciate. Right. And in a world of unnecessary, unnecessary sequels and reboots, (laughs) the dodgeball franchise is the one that's showing restraint and saying we're not going to make a movie unless we have a good plot and everything for it. And I just think that's a hilarious bit of irony. <laughs> yeah. Now let's talk about one that I am actually excited about. <laughs> Did not think I would ever get this because I thought it was going to be a one-off 
or at least I originally thought it was one off, but the movie Election is getting a sequel. Did you ever see the movie Election? I don't think so. It Reese sounds vaguely familiar. Matthew Broderick, Chris, uh, Matthew, Reese Witherspoon, Matthew Broderick, Christian, Chris Klein. Um, Reese Witherspoon is revising her role as Tracy Flick in the movie Flick Can't Win. Um, and it'll be a follow-up to the 1999 cult favorite election um, based on the novel of the same name. Uh, the book finds the anonymous character, a type A go-getter in a high school, now hardworking assistant to the principal of the public high school. Um, yeah. the This movie, this is a comedy about, so the movie Election, uh, Reese Witherspoon is a high school student. She is running for class president, and she's that go-getter type, like, I'm going to win. And she's, like, kind of running unopposed. But she's got the buttons and stuff like that. It's completely like she's she's completely obsessed over it, completely consumed her. And then you have like the jock who doesn't really care but gets injured. So everyone's like, you should be class president. And like it kind of takes over in a way, like because he's a popular <laughs> guy. And the yeah. way it kind of plays out, you're just like, she should be class president. But he's just like, he's like, well, I, I mean, I guess so, because I don't have anything else to do because I'm injured and I can't actually play like <laughs> It's it's really kind of funny how the whole thing plays out. Matthew Broderick plays one of the teachers that like kind of gets involved in a way he shouldn't be involved. And it's a really funny movie, but it's also a dark comedy. Um, Election's cool. Uh, so she's going to come back and play Tracy Flick, apparently working at the school. This sounds awesome. If you're looking for a really good, like dark comedy to watch and you're just kind of in the mood for something like weird and esoteric, watch Election. It's a lot of fun. Like it's it's a lot of fun, dude. <laughs> um, that uh, that sounds awesome and hilarious. I think the reason why this I've never seen this movie, but the reason why it sounds familiar is I think it's on Hulu right now. Like I've seen the uh, cover of the movie on there, so I might actually check it out sometime soon. Um, yeah. So yeah, check it out. I think I don't think you'll be disappointed. Okay, let's talk about the DC stuff. First, yeah. Time. Before we get really into the DC stuff, because DC kind of goes in line with Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers on HBO. Warner Brothers Discovery is considering renaming its streaming service to just Max. Yep. Okay. Um, Discovery Plus and HBO Max are going to be merging to one streaming service probably sometime in 2013, and they might just call it Max and drop the HBO. HBO will still be part of the platform, but it might be just called Max. I don't know if that has any meaning to anybody. I don't know if it matters. I do hope that everyone who's already got a subscription is like grandfathered in because I yeah. have a subscription. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, I think uh, rebranding I think, people. I think the name HBO Max was a little confusing from the get go, though, because people didn't realize like, oh, the DC stuff's on here and this is Warner Brothers thing. Like, I thought it was just an HBO thing. So I think. The branding might actually be better to just call it Max, but it's also yeah. like too little too late. Like we've already had what, like two or three years of HBO Max and like now they're changing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about DC craziness. OK, James Gunn and Peter Safran will help guide the already filmed projects for 2023. Um, and they're give and they're already giving notes for the films. Um, which means they're probably giving notes saying, 
maybe we should reshoot a sequence or add a sequence or cut this or whatever because they're trying to line stuff up for the vision they have. Okay. Uh, this, uh, the studio's new slate for the DCU will start after Aquaman 2. So we're getting Shazam, Flash, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman 2. And then after Aquaman 2 is when the James Gunn stuff really drops. Okay. okay. That's that's kind of like our benchmark. Uh, one of the big rumors um, as to why this is happening is because, and it's a brilliant move, my concern is the average moviegoer who doesn't pay attention the way we do, is Jason Momoa will not play Aquaman after Aquaman 2 because James Gunn and Peter Safran are eyeing him to play Lobo. Absolutely. <laughs> because, right. because it'd be a brilliant to have him cast as Lobo. Right. Catches, the average moviegoer is going to be like, wait, why is Aquaman riding on a motorcycle in space? Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know if the people who don't pay attention are going to understand that. And that's it's a risk they're going to have to take. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, yes. But at the same time, if he looks like Lobo with the face paint and everything, like he's obviously not going to be the same character. Um, mm -hmm. And depending on how the makeup and costume department actually uh, plays that up is really what it's going to depend on, you know, like, yes, obviously it's going to still be Jason Momoa, but can you do a good enough job to differentiate Lobo enough from Aquaman that it won't make a difference? You know what I mean? Right. Um, Black Adam two is unlikely, um, which that could be strange because of how like the rock is like, hold on a second, you know, uh, <laughs> man of steel two is up in the air. They haven't officially said Man of Steel 2 is happening, so that's kind of like a rumor to say it's up in the air right now. And they did announce that Henry Cavill is back, so I don't yeah. want to, like, hang my head on that yet. Peter Safran and James Gunn will be making their presentation to Warner Brothers next week, so that doesn't mean we're going to get deep details. They're making their presentation to Warner Brothers. Uh, the other one, the other part of this that is very interesting is Wonder Woman 3 is done can't officially canceled not moving forward as oh, okay DC i wasn't sure what you meant by done but all right multiple sources tell the hollywood reporter that patty jenkins wonder woman 3 is not moving forward and is considered dead in its current incarnation sources say that jenkins recently submitted her treatment and that new dc heads james gunn and peter safran as well as warner brothers pictures co-chairs and ceos uh, Michael DeLuca and Pamela Albee broke the news to the filmmaker, telling her the project, as it stood, did not fit with the new but still unfolding plans. So Wonder Woman 3 is toast. However, yeah. um, Patty Jenkins was offered the chance to rewrite the Wonder Woman script, but declined. DC reportedly still wants Gal Gadot to play Wonder Woman. So the idea is, is like, we're not going to do the Wonder Woman 3 because we have other plans, but we still want to use the character. So we want you to still play the character because you're Wonder Woman, which I'm I'm OK with. Like, I'm OK. I with. think that's a silver lining out of this whole thing. Yeah, it is the silver lining because who there's no other person to play Wonder Woman. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like as much as I want, like as much as like I loved the first Wonder Woman movie. Like I've talked, I don't know if I've talked on a podcast about this, but after I saw the first Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman movie, I felt like just as excited as I did when I first saw the, uh, the first Avengers movie from the MCU. Like I thought it was such a great cathartic, exciting experience. But I think that 
Wonder Woman 84 to me was hit or miss. Like some parts of it were cool and some parts of it were kind of not that great. And it kind of, it's a little bit bittersweet, but I don't know. I feel like Patty Jenkins script getting denied. I'm not sure if I'm that disappointed, you know, as long as Gal Gadot is still there. I might be excited for a new director to take the helm. I'm not really sure about this one, you know? Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, Henry Cavill reportedly shot a cameo for The Flash, but, cool. reports, but reports say that it is cut, which <laughs> which means the internet's going to start screaming for the Superman <laughs> cut now. Um, <laughs> I think they need to worry about cutting Ezra Miller out of there before Henry Cavill. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like. Yeah, apparently it might be cut. According to reports, DC Studios is steering away from the Justice League characters as we know them in the DCEU. Um, it sounds like they're trying to not stop the Snyderverse stuff, but like we're moving in a new direction. Let's right the ship so no one can tell us one thing. Like the fans can't say one thing over the other um, as we move forward in this new adventure. James Gunn, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and because of The Flash is like a multiversal, like really all encompassing plot from what, everything we know. So that's going to be the existing movie that's going to be affected the most by yeah. this change. Uh, yeah. But yeah, keep going. All right. This is the last bit of news. Uh, and then we'll talk about tonight's list. But James Gunn took to Twitter and started talking. Uh, this is great because a couple weeks ago we talked about how James Gunn said that if you don't hear it from us. It's not true, uh, which yes. is great because James Gunn, you know, I've said it before. If it comes from the horse's mouth, you can most likely believe it. If it doesn't, it's probably not true. So James Gunn tweeted the following. So as for the story yesterday on Hollywood Reporter, some of it's true. Some of it is half true. Some of it is not true. And some of it we haven't decided whether it's true or not. Peter and I chose to helm DC Studios knowing we were coming into a fractured environment, both in the stories being told and in the audience itself. And there would be unavoidable transitional period as we moved into telling a cohesive story across film, TV, animation, and gaming. Although this first month at DC has been fruitful, building the next 10 years of story takes time and we're still just beginning. Peter and I chose to helm DC Studios, knowing we were both coming into a uh, fictitious environment, both in the stories being told and in the um, that's sorry, that's a repeat uh, thing here. Um, we know we're not going to make every single person happy every step of the way, but we can promise everything we do is in the service of the story and in the service of the DC characters. We know you cherish and we have cherished your whole lives. As for more answers about the future of the DCU, I will sa I, I will sadly have to ask you to wait. We are giving these characters and the stories the time and attention they deserve, and we ourselves still have a lot more questions to ask than, and answer. What I love about this is he basically said, Hollywood Reporter put out a whole bunch of shit. Some of it's true, and some of it's pure crap. You got to hear it from us. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so whatever Hollywood Reporter's story, uh, story is, is like everyone needs to calm down. And I love it. So let's see what happens. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really that's definitely a vague statement. Like you could say, like he said a whole lot of nothing, but he also said, like, we have your favorite characters in good hands and we're going to take our time to put together another uh, or we're going to put together the best stories that we can. And uh, we don't want you to jump the gun like no pun intended, but don't jump the gun. We are going to take our time and put something good together for you, the fans. And I think right now I'm all in on like team James Gunn. Like I'm really rooting for this, this uh, him as like the new figurehead of DC. And like, I just, I don't know. I'm excited for this. And I think everything that's been said so far has been awesome. We'll have to wait to see how that all plays out and they better pull it off well. But right now everything seems promising, you know? Right. (laughs) Um, One more bit of news, I guess, really, before we talk about tonight's list, the, I sent you a trailer to watch tonight. Right, right. Yeah. Something that I didn't know was coming, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Now, I've talked in the past about how the Disney movie, The Three Musketeers, I absolutely love it. Uh, the one with Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland and Chris O'Donnell and stuff. I think it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. The Three Musketeers story is a great story. I've read the novel, and the Disney movie really only covers a small fraction of the novel. There is a Three Musketeers movie coming next year, which apparently is going to be a two-parter. And um, it's going to be, the movie's going to be entirely in French, so it's going to be basically a foreign language film. But it looks incredible. I I don't know what you thought of the trailer, but I was like, holy crap, this looks amazing. And it looks incredibly faithful to the book. What do you think of the trailer, man? This one, it's kind of hard to know what to say. And the reason is because it just looks so solid. Like there's it's really hard to criticize and nitpick things. Like I think it looks really cool. It's awesome to see. um, It's awesome to see like Three Musketeers actually portrayed in its native language. Like, you know, like at first when they started speaking French, it did catch me off guard. But I'm like. But this is probably how we should have seen this story portrayed all along. So that was really (laughs) awesome. But uh, I'm not really familiar with most of the cast outside of Eva Green, but she's been awesome and everything I've seen her in. So um, I'm excited to see her role in the movie. And uh, no, I think it's it's solid. Like really the only thing I could maybe complain about is I do feel like everything has a little bit of this old timey sort of like greenish tone to everything where mm-hmm. I mean, Drew, you and I like it's a lighting choice. You mean, right? It's either a lighting or like a camera filter choice to make it look like it's set in the past. And like Drew, like you and I absolutely adore the Disney Three Musketeers film. So we've talked about it probably way more than we should have on this podcast. But what are you in my head? <laughs> we just we haven't even sung the song yet. <laughs> so yeah the uh yeah sting and brian adams yeah and yeah, I yeah. Can't remember who else is on there. that's a uh that's definitely a guilty pleasure uh hit uh to me but um that's no, one what of those I, songs that's one of those songs like when i hear it i'm like everyone better freaking sing this song. <laughs> but i don't think a lot of people know it at this I point know, it's like I this know. forgotten uh heartbreaking swooning sort of ballad that everybody yeah, forgot yeah. about but um, no, what I was going to say is like, because I love that Charlie Sheen, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, you know, the DC or the Disney 
classic Three Musketeers film. When I was watching this trailer, I was comparing that a little bit in my head. And the one thing, even though this one I think looks a lot more serious, probably a lot less campy, campy, just a lot like probably truer to the source material, but I kept comparing the color palette. And I do really like how the original Disney one had very vibrant colors and felt very real world in the in the way that there wasn't like a sort of sepia camera filter on everything. So that's my one, I know I went off for like the last two minutes about that, but that's my one bit of, I'm not sure about is just the lighting or the camera filter, but everything else looks epic. So that's my review. And that's me saying like, that's like the only thing I can criticize thus far. So. Yeah. Well, I just think it looks cool. It also looks a lot more action packed, like to be the period piece that it clearly is to be the trying to be safe, as faithful as, as it is. Um, it just looks way more action packed than I was expecting. It just looks it looks like such good, well made. It looks like a well made movie. Like someone said, you know, it's a good movie we haven't done in a while. We need to do Three Musketeers, but we need to do it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Like someone said, we're going to do it correctly. We're going to do it right. It's going to be in French. Screw everybody, you're reading subtitles, but we're just going to make a really good movie. So, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm down to see this movie, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, um, I feel like it's about 10 years ago, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, you know, the uh, director behind uh, the Resident Evil films. He had an ad- adaptation of the you Three Musketeer movies. But... one with the sky ships? Yeah, I was going to say that one had like steampunk airships and stuff like that. And I feel like that's like a recent adaptation, but definitely not taking the source material seriously. And I think that's why this one is probably needed, where we just needed a newer version of this, where they were just going to be really legit about everything. So I think it looks awesome so far. Yeah, it just looks cool. So Three Musketeers, if you just YouTube Three Musketeers trailer, it'll pop up because it's Three Musketeers 2023 is what it's called. Apparently, like, that's how it's labeled, like, on YouTube. It just looks like a really, really good movie. And if you're not into that sort of thing, whatever, to each his own. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting to the point where we're going to have a top five Three Musketeers adaptation list. (laughs) Well, I think we'd all match, but... (laughs) <laughs> that's true we'd, we'd match a lot it's just what's the order you put them what's in? the yeah, order you're putting them in you know like how are you ranking them uh, <laughs> i really like i really did like the mus- the musketeer oh uh, yeah with um mia suvarni um and justin oh, i cannot i'm drawing a blank on that guy's name right now the one who played whoever played d'artagnan tim roth's in that one too uh, that was good just because they were trying to do like the sword fighting they tried to incorporate like the martial arts so the sword yeah. fight like it was really good <laughs> fight sequences anyway let's talk about tonight's list we've talked about enough uh, enough nonsense uh, <laughs> anyway um let's talk about tonight's list everybody so uh we're gonna roll the thing and we'll be right back and now for the top five all right peter yeah. This is your list, so why don't you explain it, and um, yeah, we can see how difficult it was for you to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> all 
I thought you were going to I struggled say, a bit. That's why I said that. Okay. I thought you were going to say that you did the list completely wrong because I feel <laughs> you say that a lot when we do my lists. But no, this it's one's when you just... Do a weird, it's when you do a weird one that makes me go, did I do this right? Was I thinking <laughs> the way you wanted me to think? I thought this one was pretty weird, though, at the same time. But it's really like... We did, okay, the best way I can explain this is uh, as a play off of another list we did. But we did our top five nerdy vacation destinations that we would want to do someday. And that was like probably a year, a year and a half ago. It was a while ago. But um, the point of that list was we're going to do five locations in the real world that have some sort of nerdy co- co- uh nerdy significance and we want to go there you know like the best example i used the last podcast is like you could go to tunisia because that's where they filmed the tatooine scenes in star wars this list however is your fantasy fictitious version of that so we're picking our top five favorite sort of vacation destinations places we want to visit from pop culture but they're places that don't actually exist so this example would be like you wouldn't go to Tunisia. You would actually go to Tatooine itself. And uh, I thought this was a fun one. Um, my list, I actually thought were it was a lot easier to put together. A lot of them came from the top of my head. But the challenge was a lot of times when you watch, a, you'll you know, you'll be watching like a sci fi or a fantasy movie. And there's certain locations where you're like, yeah, that place looks really cool. But then you remember like oh no, but that place is filled with aliens that are going to kill me. You're like, that place is filled with like a really toxic environment that I wouldn't last long in. And so like finding sort of relaxing vacation destinations within the fictitious world of pop culture, that was the challenge for me, like places I would actually want to go. So uh, that yes. that was my challenge with this. So Yes, I agree. Okay, uh, awesome. I, I agree. I have two honorable mentions. Uh, what I do I... as well. Okay. No, I totally agree with exactly what you were saying with the, uh, wow, I just want to pop in and visit real quick. <laughs> yep. Um, so should I go first? Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah first. Go it's my it. turn. Um, so my first one is Westeros. Good um, call. It's only an honorable mention because that is an incredibly dangerous, unforgiving, unforgiving little place to live so I would definitely like to pop in and see it, <laughs> but I don't want to stay very long. Like, that's cool. I saw the throne. That's nice. I saw the wall. Okay, <laughs> I'm out. Like, <laughs> yeah. Tell me while I'm here. Yeah. I mean, definitely like some really beautiful landscapes, a lot of really cool stuff that you would actually want to see. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you could go there and you could like not deal with any of the sort of power struggles and stuff. Maybe you just want to spend some time and, you know, go to King's Landing and spend the whole week, you know, going to different pubs and taverns. <laughs> that might be an option, too. So, uh, no, really cool pick, though. Yeah. All right. What is your next? Honor- What's your first honorable mention? Yeah, the, my first one, I probably don't have to talk too much about because I just chose. I want to go to Chronicon, Chron- or sorry, Chronic Con from uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. <laughs> so this is the comic book convention they go to that to at the end of the film that is completely based around Bluntman and Chronic and uh, related properties and stuff like that. And this is one of those things. 
I love going to comic book conventions. It's one of my favorite things to do. And it's just like, I really got to thinking like, what's a cool fictitious convention I could go to. And then I was like, Oh, of course, chronic con. Why not? I also, there is part of me thinking like, this is a comic book convention that centers on only two fictitious characters. So I don't know if like it would get a little bit tedious, but at the same time, why not? Like this would be a blast. Um, Halloween just passed and my wife and I, uh, went to a Halloween party dressed as Jay and Silent Bob. So we already have our costumes good to go. We just have to, uh, you know, steal a van or whatever and actually drive out there. So there you go. I didn't even think about Chronicon, but hey, that's all right. Um, <laughs> in the realm of comic books, I'm going to stick with that and I'm going to say Gotham City. Now, okay. Gotham City is a very incredibly dangerous place to be. So I literally want to spend one night for the sole purpose of hoping to see the bat signal and then I'm out. <laughs> so I can be like, that's cool. And then I'm gone. Like I like, stay away from that city. Not really a safe place to visit. So yeah, that's why that's the only reason it's on an audible mention. Yeah. Maybe if you get invited to the back cave, you get better world, but seriously, like, <laughs> well, if you're in Gotham city and you just want a sure fire way to see the bat signal, you could always be the reason that the bat signal is lit up. <laughs> And then I get to meet Batman. <laughs> but in that case, you might be spending more than one night in the city. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah. What's your last honorable mention? Yeah. My, uh, my We're going to go through one, these fast, I think. Okay. <laughs> my next one is probably the most esoteric on my list because it's one of the few that I don't know if you could actually go to. But I did say, like, these are locations that are. No matter what time period, no matter what planet, what existence, like these are fictitious places you want to go to. And the place I want to go to is the Surge Protector in Litwax Arcade in Wreck-It Ralph. Um, oh, I remember yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw Wreck-It Ralph and uh, you have the opening scene that it shows Wreck-It Ralph explaining like his game, you know, Fix-It Felix Jr., like, how does Fix-It Felix work? And he goes through all that, and then you kind of see a little bit of the game, and then you see the arcade closes, and it's after hours, and then you see what the characters do. And Wreck-It Ralph is, you know, the first time you see him, he's talking in sort of this uh, Villains Anonymous meeting. Like, he's talking among um, other villains from different games, and they're sort of like, they have like this almost alcohol alcoholic anonymous ask group that copes with the fact that they're forever perpetually like bad guys in these games but then they leave that meeting and they travel down there the meeting takes place in uh the pac-man like where the ghosts respawn in pac-man and they travel out of that through the power cord into the surge protector where all the games connect and that's like the sort of like train station meeting place where all your favorites, uh, video game characters are there. Oh. You know, you have Sonic the Hedgehog, Pac-Man, uh, uh, you have like everybody who all just meets their Street Fighter characters. Like, it's just amazing. And I, I remember watching the movie and just thinking, I want to do that. Like, as soon as I saw that, I was just so immersed in the story because I was like, I wish I was there. And that doesn't right. happen that often in movies, but it was so good. And the I would want to go there, you know. The Surge Protector is essentially like a subway station. And yeah. It's, it would, it's brilliant in the sense of the real world brilliance where you're just like, 
yeah, of course. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> so like and, you know, after hours, everyone's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come and visit after work day and work day's over and everyone goes and has a drink at uh, the Tapper. The I think tapper, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Tapper was the name of the bar and stuff like that. You're just like, that's it's awesome. Um, I, it's I remember a- being completely blown away by that. And I honestly wish there was a little bit more in that space that took place, but. Absolutely. And it's not just that, like, all your favorite characters are there. There's also the level of, like you said, they go to Tappers to have a drink. And it, it's also like it's a subway station where all your favorite characters are there. But it's also a hub where you can travel into other games. And it's just like really cool in that way that, like, if you could go there and you wanted to play some Sugar Rush, you would go to the Sugar Rush game. Or if you wanted to play, you know, Street Fighter 2, you could get, you could go through that hub. And there's so many different options. And it just, it really captured my imagination when I first saw that. So, yeah. All right. So my first one um, in the realm of comic books, I'll get these out of the way first, um, is the Avengers Campus. Oh, uh, nice. The It's probably boring. <laughs> Uh, to be completely honest, I was thinking about it, but it'd be kind of fun to hang out because that's, I mean, one, it's a safe place, but I think it'd be kind of cool to like hang out for like a weekend and be like, hey, I'm just getting a room for the weekend. You guys keep doing your thing and you get to hang out with the superheroes a little bit. <laughs> see what Tony Stark's up to. Oh, Captain America's doing some training over here. That's cool. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, um, it could be kind of cool, but it looks kind of like even though it's technically a military base, it could be kind of cozy if it will, you know, and you get to see a good chunk of it in Endgame to kind of have a really good idea of what that campus was. But, you know, yeah, yeah I could see that. That'd be awesome. And that could be pretty relaxing, but you could also like fanboy out as you kind of uh you know yeah brush past you know some of your favorite superheroes and stuff so that's pretty cool yeah all right man what do you got okay so my first pick is actually probably my most controversial in the fact that i'm not sure this might be a hostile environment but (laughs) i actually went with uh the labyrinth itself from jim henson's labyrinth movie Mm -hmm. and uh Going back in my head, like I kept thinking of like all my favorite movies. And this is one that like going back to my childhood, I've always like the labyrinth labyrinth always captured my imagination. And it's one of those things where, like I said, there's a lot of really dangerous characters and scenarios in this labyrinth. But at the same time, how cool would it be to be one of those hostile characters just running around the labyrinth and like i love mazes and i love this sort of mythos of the movie and i just think it would be really really fun and like it it is one of those things that it's like maybe you get to visit it on vacation for a few days you just have to make sure you don't get lost maybe that would be the caveat but this is definitely my most controversial but I mean, I would love to uh, just be able to experience like a maze on that scale and that style and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really look. I've always wanted to go through that one visit that labyrinth. But uh, yeah, it's a movie that I completely got um, was completely fascinated by. So I totally hear, <laughs> I totally hear you on that one. Yeah. Um, all right. So my next one is Floston Paradise. awesome from the fifth element look yeah you're gonna go on a vacation i mean that movie's about like technically a vacation (laughs) yeah um i don't know about the planet itself because you don't get to see much of the planet but the cruise looked like a good time let's be real (laughs) 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 um 
that's really all I had on that one. Um, just because I was like lost in paradise, man. Like where else are you going to go on a vacation? If we're talking like nerd stuff, you know, um, the cruise ship looked great. The, uh, the clientele looked like it'd be a lot of fun. I mean, clearly it's a lot of rich people for sure. Uh, but the planet, what you do get to see the planet almost looks like it's like an ocean planet. It really, yeah. does. when you look at it, like that's all that's on the planet is an ocean. And you're just like, well, we'll just float around on a cruise ship. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, this this is one that made my short list. I didn't put it on my final list, but it's really for the reasons you've already said, where like I was like, do you really even get to see the planet that much? Like you really just see this cruise ship. But when it comes down to it, it is like one of the most epic cruise ships ever. And like it just does look like it would be a really good time. Uh, Like you said, there's a lot of rich people there, but there's also the level of like the whole opera scene from the fifth element. You can tell that there's some really just badass awesome shows and i feel like every single like <laughs> every single waitress or stewardess or whatever who worked on at, on that ship was like super hot and like you would just have a really great time <laughs> going on that vacation so i don't blame you for picking that one at all so uh, yeah good call all right what do you got okay so for my next pick i went with okay this one's a little bit weird but i went with the Holiday Tree Circle from the My Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> and this is another one where it's like, it's just <laughs> like, it's just like the Surge Protector from Wreck-It Ralph. But it's this thing where it's like, could you imagine going to that circle of holiday trees in Nightmare Before Christmas and pitching a tent and just camping out there? And each day you could be like, well, I'm going to go to Christmas land for this day. And then the next day you're like, well, I'm going to go to St. Patrick's land and I'm going to go take a hike, you know, among the leprechauns and stuff. And I think it's just such a cool concept that you could spend like a week just camping out there and depending on your mood, just go enjoy all the best parts of every single holiday, like within a week. I just thought that would be such a cool fantasy vacation spot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, um, I didn't even think about this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about this at all. Uh, just because, like, well, you're like, we're going to go just hang out in the trees, and I'm going to go check out this holiday. I'm going to go check out this holiday. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's think about it. You could be like, hmm, I'm hungry. I'm going to go to Thanksgiving holiday for dinner, you know, and just have all the best Thanksgiving food ever, you know, and then oh, you a, could do whatever you want, you know. Yeah, that's a lot of turkey. But, hey. That's well, cool. you don't have to do that every day, you know. You can switch it up, go get some hard-boiled eggs from the Easter land for breakfast, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so my next one is Ironcrad, which is the floating castle from Sword Art Online. Oh, okay. That Sword Art Online is kind of a dangerous place, but if you've watched the show and you see the environments that exist the cities each floor is each floor of the castle is another environment whether it be you know a city with the environment that you're living like there's one floor that's literally just covered all in flowers and you have one floor that's clearly like desert environment you have one floor that's clearly like winter environment and all this stuff and so it's it's a like the idea of it like there's all these places you can go and come and go and like you know you could stay at the cabin on the lake and then you can go travel to the city and do a thing and then you can go you know there's a lot to it as long as you can get out of the game unlike the uh, series so <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, but Ironcrad. I just thought it was like, I was like, you know what? That'd be a cool one just because you'd be able to like go visit for a little bit as long as you can get out, you know. That's awesome. I really want to play the game anyway, but yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I could actually probably move into a another pick that I think is in a really similar vein, but uh, I actually went with the Oasis from Ready Player One. And uh, this is one that I feel like is also controversial because when it comes to you want to have the Oasis as a vacation destination because in that movie, you would essentially be going to probably, you know, you watch the beginning of that movie and they live in the stacks. They live in this sort of like shanty town, like stacked trailer park esque sort of thing where everybody's super poor, but they're able to, you know, put their VR gear on and they're able to go into the o- Oasis. And the cool thing about the Oasis is just, it's pretty much this place where anything's possible. And uh, I mean, who doesn't watch that movie and, you know, who watches that movie and doesn't want to go to the Oasis? Cause you can literally be any character and do like pretty much anything you want. And it just looks amazing. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say. And this is the pick that uh, I didn't put the Litwax surge protector on my final top five because i thought the oasis kind of trumped that if you will so uh well, drew i don't know if you have any thoughts or if we match I, or where we the, sit the on this thoughts are is that we actually matched on this one and this was the one awesome. i was sure if like counted because it's technically a vr world so you're not really taking a vacation but then again i put iron crad on mine so yeah <laughs> well i i think uh, at least you're you're saying you want to go somewhere to experience this vr world you know with which is definitely not anything accessible to us in the real world. So I think it counts, you know? Yeah. The the thing about the Oasis is they say at the beginning, you go rock climbing with Batman or skiing down the pyramids or play golf or the casino <laughs> planet or, you know, like that's like, you want to talk about taking a vacation, like, dude, I just need to get away from the office. You log into the Oasis for a couple hours and, you know, like that's the thing. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, and you might go to the Oasis and your mood is just like, yeah, I just wanted to golf. It was actually pretty normal. I just spent a week golfing, but it was in the Oasis and it was awesome. But that's, that's the thing is like you might just be in that mood. It's it's such an all encompassing place. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I totally matched with you on this one. So that throws it back to you for your second to last pick tonight. OK, awesome. So my second to last pick, I think, is going to be no surprise to anybody, but I actually went with uh, Hogwarts from Harry Potter. This pick is weird because Hogwarts is technically a high school, but this is something where summer break school's out. If I could pick like one place from like fantasy, science fiction, pop culture that I would just want to have free reign on, I think just ho- Hogwarts like. No faculty, no no students there. I would just love to wander the campus, experience the uh, shifting uh, stairs, experience like you know, go out to the Quidditch course, course, hop on a hop on a broom, fly around. Um, just experiencing that campus sounds so awesome. You know, trying to discover like like a lot of the hidden passageways and stuff like that. Not only that, you also have to remember you have. Hogsmeade, which is the sort of like adjacent uh, little like town with like shops and restaurants and stuff that the students would go to. You know, you have like this amazing castle, this amazing landscape and castle grounds. And then you also have like an adjacent like 
mini tourist town like connected to it like I was just trying to think of a location that I would just like to spend some time in wandering around and like Hogwarts was so close to the top of my list even though that it's weird like it is a school so I would want like all the students and faculty like not to be there but I would just want to have free reigns you know like I would want to live in like Hagrid's shoes for a weekend, you know, just be the groundskeeper and be able to do and wander kind of wherever I want is kind of my mindset with this one. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I totally hear you for all the reasons you said, I'm not the, it, look, I've made no secret about me not being a big Harry Potter fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for all the reasons you said, I'm totally with you and I, I get it. Yeah. Now that being said, for my last pick of the night, I feel like a lot of people are expecting me to say something Star Wars, but Star Wars didn't even make a short list for me because every wow. time I brought up, every time I started thinking about Star Wars, I'm like, well, of course I'd want to have a drink at the cantina, but yeah, what else would I actually want to do on Tatooine? That doesn't seem like, that seems like a very unforgiving environment. It'd and be fun like, to go to a pod race. Those were like the like, few things for me, you know, <laughs> but I was like, what else would I do? Like, where else would I want to go in the Star Wars universe? Because ultimately like, it's depending on what era you go in. Like, look, I'm not going to go to Canto Bite. That casino was kind of dumb, <laughs> you know? So the, um, the one that I thought of is I, it didn't make my list, but Naboo, that kind of was high sure. up there for me. Cause you have this sort of like, you have uh, is it Theed? Is that the like Royal city? That's like this really picturesque, like almost like Mediterranean style, like just beautiful city. And then you just have the, Sort of Naboo seems like it'd be a nice, really temperate climate to like just, I mean, I don't know if you could go swimming, but it just seems like a cool place. Like Naboo for me was pretty high up, but it didn't make my final list. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as you were saying, um, you didn't pick Star Wars. So what I didn't did you pick Star Wars. With? So my, my final pick of the night is Bull Mountain from the movie Out Cold. <laughs> um <laughs> Let's get our skis and go hang out there because <laughs> that's not, so funny. First off, that sounds like the best time ever. They throw the best parties. They get to ski all day long. They basically get to hang out and relax. And then they get to throw more parties. It just seems like the best time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Bull Mountain. <laughs> it's funny because so it's funny for two reasons. One is like, um, the way you said it, I felt like I should know what you were talking about. And I didn't know until you said out cold. So I had to laugh at that. But then also, this one seems like something you could, if you wanted to, like, move out to Colorado and get a bunch of burnout snowboarder friends, like, you could probably pull this off. But at the same time, I don't blame you at all for picking this. It's such a good pick. And just like, yeah, who doesn't want to, after watching out cold, who doesn't want to go relive that movie like that just sounds so awesome so uh yeah good call there <laughs> yeah so yeah bull mountain let's go skiing man um and uh, look it's getting it's look for me ski season's about to start and i can't wait so, <laughs> so yeah what's your final pick of the night so my final pick of the night is i think equally as goofy as your last one um and this is actually the first place that i thought of but I think it's kind of an off the radar pick, but I actually went with Spooky Island 
from the original Scooby-Doo movie from 2002. So this is the Freddie Prince Jr., Matthew Lillard, et cetera, movie. And this is the, uh, yeah, this is the crazy theme park slash resort slash island that all the characters go to. It's Spooky Island, and you can't, like, whether you love or hate this movie, you can't say you wouldn't want to go there because it's like the perfect cross between you know, tropical party paradise, as well as just like awesome theme park, as well as like everything is spooky or like monster or horror themed. And it just looks like an amazing time. Like, I think the first time they actually show the the island in the movie, you get this sort of like awesome sort of like cross section view of like all these crazy roller coasters. And they all have like these giant like monster masks on them and they just look epic. But then when it comes to actually watching the movie, everybody's partying all the time. It looks like a blast, but not only that, when you look at the extras, it's not a bunch of people wearing just like regular clothes in the background. No, there's a bunch of people wearing really ridiculous, surprisingly intricate costumes everywhere. Like if you actually just watch Scooby-Doo and just watch the backgrounds, there's some really crazy costumery and stuff that you would not expect the production team of that movie to put together. And it's kind of really funny that that's all there, but no, I mean, just watch Scooby-Doo and tell me you don't want to go to spooky Island. It looks awesome. Uh, this would be one of the greatest side or, you know, fictitious vacation destinations. So that's my final pick. And I don't remember that part of the movie at all, really. Unfortunately. <laughs> it's, like, pr- it's pretty much like the entire movie. <laughs> oh, that might be why I'm like, what are you, what are you talking yeah. about? I remember I'm going to an island. Uh, it's like there's there at the beginning, there's like a quick like mystery intro scene to just kind of introduce everybody. And I think it almost immediately goes to spooky Island and everything else takes place there. So, Oh, gotcha. Um, all right, man. Well, it's my pick for next week. So watching the Three Musketeers trailer today um, made me realize that we haven't done a Three Musketeers list. So I thought we should probably do that. No kidding. <laughs> I um, no, I realized that we've never done foreign language films. Ooh, OK. So and I hope you've watched enough, but we've never done foreign language films. So the only criteria to this is the movie has to be presented in another language. So I'm specifically referring to subtitles. But. Right. So the only thing I'm thinking is we've already done a top five anime list. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best to not just pick a bunch of anime movies. But uh, no, this is an awesome uh this I, is guess, I just realized we've never done it. Interesting. I, I consulted the giant master list, if you will, and I was like, yeah, no, we have not done foreign language yet. So, Depending on how my list shakes out, I might check in with you with some uh, questions. Because, for example, like uh, like the Mel Gibson movie Apocalypto, is that a foreign language film or no? Like, there's certain, like, and I don't know if that'd be if that would make my list, but there's a certain questions I might have like that. So, uh, I see what you mean. Um, I would think that'd be as long like it's not. It, the issue is is that you're looking. I'm looking for like what's in not in English, if you will. Right. I I got you. You know, and there's um there's every now and then you'll get a foreign language film like uh I don't want to give an example because it might make my list, but. 
like if an American, like an English speaking uh, character is in the story and he's got some English dialogue, that's fine if the majority of the film is technically if it falls (laughs) under foreign language because the majority of the film is in something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. But yeah, I don't know. We just we just haven't done one of those yet. So I thought it'd be cool. Okay, cool. Uh, This kind of brings this episode to the end, man. So let's toss this one in the can and move on, shall we? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let's go. Um, all right. So everybody do us all a favor and check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there, email, social media, either way works. We're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and Amazon. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also uh, leave us a review, which we Love those five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be talking about how since the Oasis doesn't exist, I'll just be here reading choose-your-own-adventure books on my omnidirectional treadmill. <laughs> That sounds mildly dangerous, too. Um, (laughs) All right, everybody. For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.